I'm Pam. I'm Dawn. I'm Deidre. I'm Dina. Welcome, Welcome to Ozark's Paints and Hooch. This ain't no fancy academic check your references kind of deal. This is four girls from the Ozarks sipping and spewing about paints, hooch, and history. Well, hi there. Um, podcast land. Um, this is Deidre and I got, uh, three other, uh, hotties with me tonight. Um, (laughs) I like that. Mm -hmm. They can't see us. So you don't, they don't know that, but (laughs) anyway, um, I want to do a little bit of housekeeping before we get into these, uh, fun and great stories here. Um, so of course we are on, um, Instagram and Facebook. I'm getting this stuff out of the way first. Okay. So we're on Instagram and Facebook and we need all those stars. Um, feel free to share everything that you hear tonight um, and post, uh, you know, good, good um, reviews and that kind of thing. And we would appreciate it. Now you, you might hear a meow or a barking dog or even possibly a lawnmower, but probably not tonight. I think he's had to go uptown. And uh, we just want to remind you, we are not professionals. We're just four girls in three different states with four different types of technology and Wi-Fi. So please don't judge us. Just have a good time like we're trying to do. Um, and uh, let's see, we're going to get into this. So um, for, I'm going to tell you, Pam has the big one tonight. Yay, uh, big one. Yay, big one. Dina has the little one. Woohoo! on. Yeah. And then uh, Dawn has the cocktail. And it, it's a very pretty. And um, I guess we'll uh, head into the cocktail, Dawn. So please take it away. Did I forget anything? Uh, did you say the website? No, I didn't. That would Damn be... It. Weebly. Weebly. Oh, no. Weebly, Weebly. Okay, so the um, website is Ozarks Paints, the letter N, hooch.weebly.com. And Weebly is W-E-E-B-L-Y. Weebly. It's kind of fun to say. Let's try it. Weebly. <laughs> Weebly. Weebly. <laughs> All right. So, uh, Dawn, uh, let's uh, hear about that uh, pretty cocktail. It's very pretty. It is pretty. And it's actually good. I'm enjoying it. Um, yes. So it does have something to do with the main story. Can I tell them what the main story is? Because... Uh, yeah, we do. We usually yes. do. Okay. So, uh, well, I don't even have to say it. So what Pam is going to talk about tonight is in Ripley's Believe It or Not. And that's the only thing I could come up with when I was searching for cocktails, <laughs> even though Pam, so we're do Pam's doing the Basin Park Hotel. Pam said Basin Sink. And I'm sure there's a million cocktails with the word sink in it, but I didn't think of that. Or so, everything but the. Yeah. Yeah. So I did the I did the Ripley cocktail, which is actually British. Um, it comes from a website, socialandcocktail.co.uk, right? So um, you take, and you can tell it's British because the measurements, as Dina put it, are not in American. So, we weren't in an American. Be, I still don't think I made it right. 
I believe that's metric. I had to have Riley look it up. I was like, okay, how much of this do I put in? <laughs> well, I'm, you know, so I bought this cheap little uh, lemon juicer. It's a little bitty, you know, and it has ounces, teaspoons and tablespoons and milliliters. So it's the best little plastic thing I've ever bought. So you got I have a, a little good pirate. gadget. You're a gadget yeah, I girl. Got a little Pyrex thing like that, but I couldn't find it. So we use well, Rob's ounces, but anyway. All right. So in not American measurements, you take uh -huh. 25 milliliters of Citron vodka, 25 milliliters of triple sec, 12.5 milliliters of lemon juice and 12 raspberries, which I thought was funny. So then you gently muddle the raspberries in the vodka. You add I the other- I talked to them softly, just so you know. You what? While I was gently muddling, I talked to them softly because I, <laughs> oh. I don't know <laughs> yeah. what gently muddling means, but- Well, that means just don't, because I think the seeds are bitter. So they're just saying, don't squish the seed, you know, is probably oh, gotcha. why. Okay. <laughs> okay. So after you've gently muddled the raspberries in the vodka, you add all the ingredients and it says lots of ice. Shake well, strain it through a fine strainer, garnish with a raspberry and put it in a martini glass. So I will say mine is a little bit different. I did not have citron vodka. I just added a little bit more lemon juice and I don't have triple sex. So I use Cointreau, which is a fancier, mm. but Yay. I liked it. It's yummy. What'd you it's, guys it, do? Yeah. Oh, and I, I used, like hey, I used frozen raspberries too, and that worked out fine. So, anyway, I used Driscoll's because those were the only kind of raspberries and strawberries that you should get. I don't know. I just, Rob actually sent Rob to the store to get stuff. Um, but mine was, um, I mean, I pretty much followed the recipe. I kind of got a I sent Rob to the store, like I said, and I got a small bottle of Citron, not one of the airline ones, but a little bit, I don't know. See, that's also not in American unless it's a pint, right? Uh, when, uh, well, a pint uh, is American. Yes. Like but, a liter, milliliter. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay. So anyway, um, I did my best to follow um, the recipe, having trouble figuring out what a metric conversion was, but anyway, that um it was good and it was pretty so yeah it's pretty i down mine already maybe can you believe it <laughs> go on dana what how'd you do yours um i i actually had citron sorry i'm outside and well, i'm gonna have to move inside because all the noise from the bridge is just flowing this way um, I used all the same stuff. I actually had citron vodka from something that we made not too long ago. Um, went and stole some raspberries from Deidre. Can that no motorboating that you're hearing is Elvis, by the way. <laughs> motorboating. Okay. I've that better been not gone. Be motorboating. I've been gone and he is so happy to see me. He is no. just in my mouth right now. Okay, sorry. Right. It just did make a very big drink, so I thought I wasn't doing it right, but I guess I was. You are. Right, because it didn't have, I didn't see the martini part until um riley said what's it called and she looked it up and and was helping me from the other room so yeah i think i forgot to put that in your text 
Sorry. Yeah. Well, yeah, I just put it in a wine glass, but whatever. I put yeah. it in a little juice glass. Very pretty. <laughs> well, I guess I made the white trash version of this. Which <laughs> that you, could be just the true Ozark version. I, I, I said in our little text thread earlier, I'm embarrassed to say the <laughs> substitution I made for uh, <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Here's what I did. So uh, knowing that uh, uh, we were in a different country with the milliliters, I just went to parts. So I put one part of regular vodka, not vodka, not citron, one part vodka, one part triple sec, a half a part <laughs> uh, lemon juice. And I didn't use any simple syrup. I think it called for simple syrup. Didn't use that. But Instead of using raspberries, I use jelly. Oh. <laughs> I told uh, you. You know what, Pam? You're right. It does say simple syrup, and I'm sorry that I did not say that. Yeah. I had it. I twelve point five milliliters of simple syrup. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, I did. I yeah. did. Oh, that was lemon juice, wasn't it? Twelve point five milliliters of lemon oh juice. I yeah, know. there was more lemon Five milliliters simple. of simple yeah. syrup. Five it milliliters was, of simple syrup. Thank you very much. It was pink and, <laughs> yeah. and had fruit in it, so it was okay. It was good. So, so I, uh, but uh, well, it wasn't jelly. It was actually jam. So there were like, some seeds like and parts I mean, of the real preserve? berry. What? I'm breaking into you. I'm sorry. Preserves would, I mean, I could see preserves because that's <laughs> okay. kind of more fruity. Well, that you went with jam? Yeah, well, it was jam or preserves or something. Anyway, anyway it had pieces of the fruit, right? So well. I muddled that in the vodka, and then I did all the other things. And it's really pretty and very tasty. But I, mm -hmm. uh, since I used jam or jelly or preserves or whatever it is, I think that's a little on the, on the redneck side, don't you guys? Well, that is yeah. your simple syrup and raspberries all mixed together. Yeah, together. No, I oh, I like that's that. That's true. I yeah, like that justification. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, yes. Okay. So that's that. That's that. Okay. So that's the hooch. And now we, um, I may take a nap. No, I'm not going to. Um, now we are headed to um, the big one. And uh, let's see, that would be um pam <laughs> take it away take her away get okay. her done don't you dare fall asleep during my story deidre I, uh, it's going to be you. so I, riveting I that you're going to be wanting to ask questions and make uh interjections all around <laughs> tonight it's possible all right i'm ready okay. let's go all right so the basin park hotel is in eureka springs arkansas love eureka springs and the reason it made ripley's believe it or not is that all seven floors of the hotel have a ground floor yes you may, you may wonder why and how this can happen because eureka springs is built into the side of a mountain all seven floors have a ground floor. Their fire escape goes out the window and rise straight to the mountain across. It's uh, referred to by travel people as Little Switzerland. It's also been called the Stair Step Town. And it's also called the Magic City due to its healing waters. And the history goes like this. The town was founded around a spring that was believed to have healing properties. 
the Basin Spring, which is just steps away from the entrance of the Basin Park Hotel. Some of the trivia around Eureka Springs is um, there are no stoplights today, even today, there are no stoplights in the town as none of the streets cross at right angles. There are 60 natural springs in town and 12 can be visited today by tourists and whomever. It is the only city in America whose entire downtown is listed on the National Register of Historic Places. And the Catholic, the Catholic Church, St. Elizabeth's Catholic Church, you enter through the bell tower, of all things. Very, very strange. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, the last one is the ba Palace Bathhouse had its first, had the first neon sign west of the Mississippi. Now, and we've talked about, about the... the yeah, yes. we know about the Palace Bathhouse from that, What our, is it called? It's not the Palace. What is it called? Palace. People that hold riveted on my every word. Mm -hmm. Palace. Palace Hotel and Palace Bathhouse. Palace Hotel. Yeah. That was in our episode four of the Crescent story, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Who did that? Was that you, D Dina, that did that Deirdre. story? No, it was me. No, I, I know you, you did the Crescent, but I thought yeah. the little story was about the Palace. Oh, that's right. Yeah, it had some it had some uh, interjection there, I think. You're right. So, yeah, yeah, she yeah. did several, several haunted places in Eureka, I think. Ah, okay. Well, I'm taking a sip break, so y'all do the same. <laughs> Cheers. <laughs> my, uh, my little dog is uh, barking at something outside, so he could keep us entertained until Pam gets back uh, all right here I am I'm eating okay. cookies so uh <laughs> back to 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 the history um Native Americans who who inhabited the Ozarks at the time were the Osage the Delaware and the Shawnee tribes they told of a great healing spring and visited for sacred purposes the Europeans described the waters as having magical powers the first of these visitors was Dr. Alva Jackson, who is said to have found the spring in 1856. He claimed the water at the Basin Spring cured his eye ailments. He was a doctor during the Civil War and established a hospital in a local cave. There's caves all around the place around there. He used the Basin Park, the Basin Spring water to treat his patients. Later, Dr. Jackson bottled and marketed the spring waters as Dr. Jackson's eye water. <laughs> that's oh, that's gross. That was good. That's kind of <clears throat> gross. I don't want no eye water. I don't want no eye water. <laughs> uh, all right. In 1879, a Judge J.B. Saunders, a friend of Dr. Jackson's, claimed that his crippling disease was cured by the waters. Within a year, Eureka Springs was a boom town, and this was due to Saunders spreading the word of the healing waters. By the late 19th century, the town was transformed from a rural spa village to a major city, a spa and tourist destination. Uh, all right, in 1880, Eureka Springs was incorporated as a city 
thousands of visitors came to the springs to set and set up tent cities based on Judge Saunders' promotion. By 1881, Eureka was the fourth largest city in the state. There, that was in the height of the Victorian age, and the architecture definitely reflects this era. So a little bit more about the architecture, and then we're going to have another sip break. But <laughs> the architecture, and this was interesting to me at the time, I didn't realize this, it makes total sense. In Europe at the time, the Gothic style was prominent, and uh, all the buildings were made of stone by master stonemasons. Here, they made uh, the basin and the crescent and other commercial buildings in the downtown area of local limestone and red dolomite. Now, perhaps because there weren't as many stonemasons in this country, the carpenters and woodworkers at that time were mimicking the style by carving and hand-turning wood for the ornamental trim on the houses that was so prevalent in Eureka Springs. They referred to them as gingerbread style. And we've yeah. all seen those houses yeah. over Eureka, right? Yeah, right. oh, definitely. And some of it, you know, um, has had to be, you know, remade, I guess. Yeah, uh, re-tooled um, or... Yeah, whatever. Re reworked. Yeah. Reworked, that works. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right. In 1881, a Captain Joseph Perry, who built luxury hotels along the railroad lines, came to Eureka Springs to take the waters. He was cured, and out of gratitude, he built the original Perry Hotel that was four stories. He said he built it specifically for the people who were taking the waters. It was located just steps away from the Basin Spring. This was in the very heart of the downtown area. And my first ghost story. Ghost story. Yay. Several people have reported a young laughing girl. She comes down the stairs in a yellow dress and blonde braids. She crosses the lobby out to, in the direction of the front door out into the street and then vanishes so uh, some people have said she looks like she's wearing a costume, but maybe that's just what she wore in her time. No, it's interesting. I haven't heard that one. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And then in 1886, the Crescent Hotel opened. So um, in 1889, Eureka Springs was now the second largest city in the state, just behind Little Rock. I had no idea. Hmm. Uh -uh. That's big. Ah, in 1890, fire destroyed the Perry Hotel. Now, there were um, four fires over the years that took various parts of the hotel and various parts of the town itself. But I think the one in 1890 was probably the biggest one. All right, second ghost story. During the time it was the Perry Hotel in the 1880s, a Texan by the name of John Chisholm came to take the waters. He was somewhat famous, a cattle baron. He was called the King of the Pecos, and we think that the Chisholm Trail was named after him. Mm. There was also a John Wayne movie about his life. <clears throat> anyway, okay. yeah. yeah, John Wayne. 
He's done Shepherd of the Hills. Now he's done this. Well, not now, <laughs> but. <laughs> well, in the day, back in the day. Yeah, back in the day. Back in the day. Uh, anyway, he was, uh, he was sick and he had a tumor on his neck. But mm. the waters didn't work for him and he died in the hotel. The hotel, the body was taken back to Texas for burial, but they say his ghost remains. Ghost story. People have reported seeing a cowboy walking around the third floor, especially through the walls in rooms 312, 314, and 316. Mm. When they rebuilt the hotel, they apparently the corridors got moved. So people are seeing him immediately in these rooms, like he's, he's walking through the walls, like where the corridor used to be or something. That's what one account said. So... I thought that was pretty wild. Mm -hmm. Then, um, let's see, the hotel set empty for a few years. I think this would, that would have been in, uh, yeah, the 90s or uh, 1890s. Um, anybody got something? Got a comment? Oh, I thought I heard no. somebody. Okay. All right. Then, okay. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> In 1905, the hotel was rebuilt by a William Duncan on the very same footprint. He was a very rich man, and not much is known about him, but they believe his ghost is still there. This was the town center. Over the years, it housed the fire station, the chamber of commerce, the civic center. Graduations and proms would be held there, and this was early, early on. The luxury hotel hotel had a hundred rooms and all of the current amenities, a cage elevator, electric lights, steam heat, and a telephone in every room. Now this Duncan also built the Queen Anne bed and breakfast in Harrison. Do you guys know about that, that uh, property? No, in, I don't in, think so. No. In Harrison. Yeah. So it's a, it was a different story that this group of this team of ghost hunters were, uh, said that they had reported on the previous year or something. So anyway, um, yeah, that's the Queen Anne bed and breakfast. And it looks, it's very gingerbread looking from the, from the pictures and such. So other fun facts from around this same time in 1905. Okay. Here's a test. Carrie Nation. Who is Carrie Nation, history students? Uh, we he was all in know. the Silver Dollar City Saloon Show. <laughs> That's right. Judy Carrie the Max. Judy is, yep, you're darn tootin'. There's so, my history lesson for all of you. I'm Thanks. so glad you said that because <laughs> Carrie Nation was a radical member of the temperance movement. And she moved to Eureka toward the end of her life. She founded a building that I think still stands on Steel Street, and it's called Hatchet Hall. Yeah, okay, this is all coming back. Yes, it is, and yes, it was. <laughs> I didn't yeah. know that. I hadn't heard Hatchet oh, Hall. Yeah. Hatchet Hall. She took that hatchet or uh, uh, axe or whatever and, and busted up all the stills and the barrels of good bourbon around mm -hmm. that time. Makes me oh. a little sad, but you know. Remember they did that. What, what's it called when they flash the lights on and off? Oh, strobe man yeah. with the strobe thing. Yes. Yeah, strobe. That's the word I wanted. Yeah. When I was in the saloon at Christmas, we didn't do that. 
It wasn't very Christmassy. <laughs> it was Christmas time. Well, they don't yeah. do it anymore either, but they yeah, used true. to a long yeah. time ago. I do remember that now that you you have brought that to yes. my attention. Oh. You're all welcome. Oh, good. I'm glad you guys interjected there. That's good. <laughs> uh, okay, so another, uh, in 1922, five Oklahoma outlaws attempted a bank robbery but were foiled. Three di died in the skirmish, and it is said that their ghosts are still there. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. Uh, another ghost story. A construction worker from 1905 re- uh, during the re 1905 rebuild had a reputation of being quite the ladies man and a playboy and women have reported being visited in the middle of the night by such a man <gasps> hey. wow <laughs> Sit where break. was that again <laughs> yeah what room is that really uh, yeah they didn't give me a room on that one so <laughs> well well, I can say that our grandparents lived really close to Eureka Springs. So as the oldest sister and a teenager, our aunt is only like four and a half years older than me. So Eureka Springs was a much different place back then than it is now. Yeah. 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 Um, okay. Moving on in history. <clears throat> 1944. Roy Parkhill, a prominent oil man from Tulsa, Oklahoma, purchased the Basin Park Hotel and the surrounding property for his nephew, Joe Parkhill. Uh, now, there uh, three different articles told me three different things about Joe Parkhill. First, he was a law student that didn't want to be a lawyer and he turned into a musician. Another was he was a businessman and another was he was a smooth talking salesman. But either way, whatever he was, he spent a lot of time in Chicago in the 1930s. And guess who he made friends with in the 30s in Chicago? The mob. Oh. And now, at the time, the Crescent was sitting empty. So Joe called a friend in Chicago, another mob connection by the name of Dwight Nichols, and told him he should buy it. So Nichols got investors together and the Crescent reopened in 1946. This made two Eureka Springs hotels with mob connections. And another source said that Joe and his wife would shuttle their Chicago friends. They would take the train to, and I think this is right, you guys tell me, to Monet, Missouri. Is there a train station in Monet, Missouri? Monet. Oh, we called it Monet in Arkansas. Okay. Well, we ain't French in Missouri. <laughs> okay. That's a hard T. Hard T. Yeah. Monet. Monet. I'm sure there was. We a don't transition. use no non-American measurements either. Right. <laughs> right. Drink them. We don't drink non-American measurements. <laughs> okay. Well, if there, I think there was a train station there, or that's what this said. Is that yeah, Joe probably. and his wife would shuttle their Chicago friends from Monette by bus to both hotels in Eureka Springs. Hmm. <laughs> oh, funny. Then uh, illegal activities soon followed and the city was wide open with gambling, prostitution, vice, serving liquor by the, serving liquor, which liquor by the drink wasn't 
uh, was illegal at the time uh, to invited uh, friends and guests. That's along the time. Well, speaking to do liquor by the bottle. I'm serious. Uh, yeah, I, I, there was some sort of I remember the term liquor by the drink. You can't have liquor by the drink in mm. Arkansas. Private clubs could have right. uh, liquor, but you couldn't just walk right. in well, on the street. We lived in, in Fayetteville um, for a few years, and I believe there were still some dry counties then, weren't there? Oh, I yeah. Think? Yeah, yeah, you couldn't get liquor by the drink in the even in the seventies, or, or mm -hmm. and you were there in the eighties, right, Deidre, or nineties? Nineties. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> okay. Uh, let's see. Uh, now this said the term speakeasy came around about this time, but I thought the speakeasy term was earlier. I thought that was closer to the thirties or the twenties when uh, bathtub gin and all that was going on. Did there, Dawn, you got a history on that? Um, I want to say 20s. Well, it was the 20s, yeah. The speakeasy, yeah. The yeah. 20s, yeah. Yeah. All right, so big stakes games, gambling, moved back and forth from the Crescent to the Basin. And participants were the local police, the mayor, various politicians, and socialites from Chicago and all over the country. A side note, Al Capone's sister was a registr registered guest for over a month, and several other Chicago friends would stay at the Basin Park for no charge while things cooled off for them in Chicago. Mm. <laughs> uh, Couldn't find them down in Arkansas. Yeah, they're on the hills in Arkansas. Mm -hmm. uh, ghost story. Uh, <laughs> a gambler was losing. He excused himself from the game to go to his room in the hotel, the second floor of the hotel. He claimed to get more money. Well, his playing partners grew suspicious and followed him. And sure enough, they caught him trying to escape out the window. Remember, there was a fire escape on every floor of the <laughs> hotel that exited straight out to the mountain. They intercepted him and slit his throat. Oh, the good. <laughs> the ghost reports are, and this is creepy, the ghost reports are people seeing a red line on their neck for no reason. Oh. A feeling, yeah, is that strange? Oh, a yeah. feeling that they can't breathe or they're being strangled or more specifically like hands were around their neck. Isn't that funny? Well, no. Weird. Not funny. No, not, but funny. Not, not funny. Not funny, haha, -ha, but, you know, Scary. odd funny. Yeah. Yeah. All right, we come to 1948. The Barefoot Ball started, which is still very popular, and it, the ballroom is still there. It's all on the website. Anyway, um, it was an annual event that took place on the top floor of the basin in the ballroom, the seventh floor. The guests had to check their shoes at the door, and it was a big night. Each and each year, the party grew bigger and wilder, and it was the height of the gambling and drinking and debauchery that was set up by these cats from Chicago. Mm -hmm. So, but in 1955, it was all about to change. A new sheriff came to town by the <laughs> name of, <laughs> sheriff's in town, by the name of DeWeese, and he decided he was going to clean it up. 
His plan was to bust the Basin Park Hotel on the night of the barefoot ball. Now, the Highway Patrol, who were friends and patrons of Joe Park Hill and liked the games and liked the parties, well, they tipped off Joe so Joe knew what the plan was. So on the night of the barefoot ball, he delayed the games and drinking for as long as he could. But people started complaining and he could see that he wasn't making any money. So at 11 p.m., he opened up the games and the place was raided at 1120. Mm. This included hauling the slot machines out into the street and busting them up and burning them. And a side note was the ladies of the church were standing by singing and cheering. Those ladies. <laughs> Those ladies of the church. Uh, and later that night, that same night, Deweese busted the crescent. Was in 55. Ghost story. There are reports of a woman on the third floor. She goes to the bed, pulls back the covers to get into the bed, then notices someone else is in the room or in the bed and turns and disappears in a hurry. <laughs> hmm, I like okay. um, After the raid in 1955, the Park Hill sold the hotel. And with the exit of the Park Hills, so went the gambling and illegal activities. They sold it to a retired local celebrity by the name of Claude Fuller, who became owner of the Basin Park Hotel and the Crescent at one time or another over the years. Fuller was an influential man, five-time mayor, a lawyer, a, a retired U.S. Uh, he was a congressman and a U.S. representative. He is partially responsible for three different things. The, the building of the dams and the lakes in the area uh, for Social Security. He was on board for that. And he also is responsible for building Highway 62. His family still lives in the area. Interesting. Ghost story. A sad woman with pale blue eyes and blonde hair stands at the door of room 303. She appears to want to come in. When asked if she wants to enter, she nods her head yes. But the door is but when the door is opened wider to allow her entry, she vanishes. That's spooky. That is yeah. spooky. Yep. So I'll just close by saying the hotel is now called the 1905 Basin Park Hotel. It offers full service lodging. It's all been redone over the years. I mean, there was a renovation in the, nice. in the 80s. There was a renovation in, in 1992. And, uh, and I haven't been in it in recent years. So you have Deidre? Yes. I, I mean, you know, we didn't stay in it, but we always go and, you know, I don't know. We always just go and check it out. We have stayed in it before, but it's been, let's see, that would have been 90, 99 probably that we wow. stayed in it. Yeah. So, but mm -hmm. we always, you know, we always like to go and walk through it and everything. I have, um, I rub elbows with the honorable mayor and his wife, the oh. first lady of Eureka Springs. So, um, yes. Well, um, 
I have stepped in the uh, lobby. I've walked through the lobby, of course, of both that and the Crescent. I've never stayed at either. But also a little side note that I forgot to mention that I remembered is that Joe Parkhill was the one responsible for bringing the, all the cedar decor, uh, decor into the Basin Park. Huh. So that was done huh. on his tenure around the time prior to 1955. So that was kind of cool anyway yeah. so uh yes uh it uh it offers a full service lodging shuttle service a spa a brand new spa called spa 195 mm -hmm. jack yep. whiskey bar yep. the basin park ghost tour and the balcony bar and restaurant which is said to have the best burger in eureka we have eaten there and it's pretty good i will have to say all right, and the yeah. end. Yay. That's my Yay. story. Nice. Yay. I like the way you called out story. the stories. That was I may great. have to do that in mine, for sure. Ghost story. Yeah, ghost story. I had so many, but I didn't want to put them all in one spot. So I thought it was kind of cool to just, you know, intersperse yeah. them through. Yeah. That. So, yay. Good. That's good. Great Very job. Very good. Hmm. Thank no, you. You bet. So... Now um, I get to drink. <laughs> so little sister Dina has the mm -hmm. little one and we are uh, anxious to hear what ghost stories you can lay on us this evening as well. All right. Since Pam was giving us history on um, a haunted hotel in Eureka Springs, I thought it would be fun to find a haunted hotel in Missouri. And I found the Walnut Street Inn. Um, and it's in Springfield, Missouri. Like most of the stories I research, I now want to know all about it and I want to go visit it. So here's a little history, which also the older I get, the more interesting I find local history. And I'm sure that's a sign of something. The Walnut Street <laughs> Inn, yeah, I'm sure, was built in the mid 1890s by Charles and Catherine McCann. He's a very interesting man. I didn't know anything of Springfield start, um, but here I have a little bit. I have a little bit for you now. In 1879, Springfield was only 50 years old. Young men were going west to seek their fortunes, and Charles McCann was no different. He moved his wife and two children from Indiana and quickly became an important figure in Springfield's business world. He formed a wholesale grocery firm and called it what, everyone? Do we know? The Springfield Grocer Company, oh, which yes. all of us locals should find familiar, right? Yeah, yes. right. So it now serves the restaurant trade in an 180-mile yep. radius, which includes Kansas, Oklahoma, Arkansas, and Missouri. I would imagine they're very wealthy, those folks that have... Oh, uh, yeah. Well, yeah. just wait. Just oh, wait. Just wait. So in 1886, he helped organize and served as director of the Springfield Club, which is now the Chamber of Commerce. Oh, very clever. Yeah. He also bought shares in the Springfield Wagon Company, which was one of the four largest in the nation at the time. And the Frisco Railroad Shops location in Springfield was also his doing. In 1905, he was a major force in raising funds for the first public library built, and that main library still stands on Central Street. Oh, so I'm see. thinking he pretty much built Springfield, right? Or Sounds helped. like it. Anyway, yeah. 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 
so not not too long after moving from Indiana, he lost his first wife. And in 1891, he met and married Catherine Ashworth. So this comes straight from um, the website, the Walnut Street in website there about us page. Charles wrote in his journal, while I had not made any resolutions, it had always appeared to me as a matter of course that I would not marry again, but I became acquainted with Miss Ashworth, and as I grew to know her better, my interest and affection were aroused to an extent that I was impelled to ask her to make a home for me, and when she had consented to marry me, I had the sensation of beginning life anew. So sweet. Oh, how romantic. I know. Yeah. Charles built this house during the panic times of the mid-1890s. Jobs were hard to find, and skilled craftsmen were eager for work. He wrote that good carpenters were paid only $2 a day. I bought lumber, the best in carloads, for $10 per thousand feet delivered, and other items in the same proportion. Yet this house cost me nearly $6,000. So what's that in, in this time, like? six million dollars or something like that yeah wow i put in the latest improvements except for electricity and this exception was quite a mistake i had henry hornsby cast for me 20 iron corinthian columns which gave the house a very handsome appearance and when finished it was one of the best looking homes on the street the McCanns loved to entertain, and the entire downstairs was open for parties. A carriage house sets behind the main home and was completely remodeled in 1992 to add guest rooms. An owner between the McCanns and the Jewels were recently unearthed while reading the autobiography of Charles McCann. According to Charles, in February 1904, W.A. Dennis came to my uh, came to me one night at the Springfield Club and asked, "Charlie, do you want to sell your house at 704 East Walnut Street, which is now 900 East Walnut Street?" And I said, "Yes. What will you take?" And he said, "What will you take for it?" And I replied, "$8,500." And he said, "I'll take it." We arranged arranged the details. I agreed to give him possession on May 1st, as I had planned to move to the farm near Mountain Grove that date. He paid cash. It was the quickest sale I ever made, but I regret to say that Dennis never took possession as he died about one month after we made the deal and the property oh. went to his wife, oh, wow. who improved it wow. and lived in it for some time. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So here's, I'm going to do the rest of the owners um, up until who owns it now, because like everybody I want to go to this house because everybody who owned this is you'll recognize either their names or you'll recognize the business that they were in. So the next one, and once again, this all comes from the Walnut Street Inn website about us page. So after the Dennis family, Mr. and Mrs. Harry S. Jewell, and he was the owner of the Springfield Leader newspaper. He purchased the house in 1917. Aside from his newspaper business, he was president of Springfield Paper and Supply Company. He also built and owned the Jefferson Theater in Springfield, a popular vaudeville house, and the original home of the Grand Old Opry. Uh-uh. Uh-huh. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh -huh. On Mrs. Jewell's, Jewell's death in 1940, the house was divided into an upper apartment for Mr. Jewell with the addition of a kitchen and a stairway, 
And the downstairs became an apartment for Mr. Jewell's granddaughter, her husband, Arch A. Watson, a son, Arch Warren Watson, and later on, a son, Sanford Duvall Watson, who was born while they were still living there. An east-west wall was put in, dividing the large reception room, which is now the parlor, and the openings into the study, now the carver room, were sealed. The third floor continued to be the servant's bedroom, which is now the wilder room, and the attic, which is now the Benton room. Mr. Jewell continued to live in the house until he died in 1945, Arch A. Watson was later president and publisher of the Newsleader, and uh, Arch Warren and Sanford Duvall still live in Springfield, as does uh, Jean Watson, which I guess is the daughter. The next owners were Dr. Max and Barbara Rosen. They bought the house in 1953 and raised their five children here. In 1953, the original three-story balconies on the south were removed and a deck was added. Um, the Rosens traveled extensively and their interests of children, reading, and travel were richly reflected in the house. Three of the Rosen children still live in Springfield, and they actually, one of the rooms is named after them. One of the scary rooms is named after them. Ooh, scary. <laughs> yeah. So in uh, 1987, Gary and Nancy Brown purchased the home to create the first bed and breakfast in Springfield. After a year of rehab and construction, the house was featured as the 1988 Springfield Symphony's Designers Showcase Home. Walnut Street Inn opened to guests in May 1988. Carol, the Browns' daughter, and only 19 when the inn opened, managed the inn for the nine years that the Browns owned it. Gary, Paula, and Catherine Blankenship, the current owners, purchased Walnut Street Inn from the Browns in July of 1996. So there's the history. Mm -hmm. On to the good stuff. Yeah. Anyway, I just thought that was like the, the theater and the newspaper and mm -hmm. the wholesale sell grocers. What is, I, I can't believe I don't know this house, right? Mm -hmm. Like, right. How, how have I missed that? Mm -hmm. Anyway, so here we go. We're going for the good stuff. It is said that the main house is haunted with the Rosen Room being the area with the most activity. There seems to be an elderly woman who believes the room is hers. The following is stories of interactions with her from guests during their stay. A gentleman, so ghost story, Oh, but the rest of them are ghost stories. They're all ghost stories from here on out. <laughs> You're just gonna ghost do story. a blanket one. <laughs> yeah, they're all, ghost they're story. all. A gentleman who stayed in the room reported that he was stretched out in bed when he looked up and saw a female figure sitting at the table against the wall. The gentleman said, excuse me, but this is my room. The female responded that it was her room and then she then disappeared. Ooh. Oh. So this is from um, the website Only in Your State. Numerous guests have claimed to have come face to face with a woman dressed in Victorian garb in that room. Most times, the woman tells the guests that they are in her room before she disappears. Although one guest claims the woman pulled the blanket off of her in the middle of the night to sit down next to her on the bed. Then when the guests moved, the woman <laughs> simply vanished. Ah, yeah, I, I I'm not sure it. I'd be staying in that room, right? Love no. it. <laughs> handprints hand on the bedspread oh yeah yeah with with the husband in the bed with his shirt off yes yeah. 
<laughs> Still others tell of more strange occurrences in the end, including doors that mysteriously close, footsteps when no one is there, and lights that turn on by themselves in empty rooms. So uh-huh. let's see. Yeah. Okay. This came from uh, an article in the Standard in October of 2000. So Nikki Knopf, one of the inn's evening staff, tells of one ghostly encounter. In 1998, a touring group of actors was moving through Springfield producing Fiddler on the Roof at a local theater. One of the actors who was staying at the Walnut Street Inn came back to his room to nap between performances. He had the lights dimmed or off and was just lying down when he looked to the corner of the room and saw a woman sitting at a table playing cards. He was a little startled and could only think to say, this is my room. The woman then disappeared and the man ran down to the kitchen, found Paula and recounted what he had seen. He was frightened and frazzled and described the woman as, a, as middle-aged and wearing Victorian style clothing with her hair up. <laughs> Two years after that incident, in the fall of 1999, a couple was spending their anniversary in the McCann room, which is directly adjacent to the Rosen room. The man woke up early in the morning and began getting dressed in front of a full-length mirror located in the bathroom. The mirror is attached to a cabinet door, and the man had it swung slightly open. As he dressed, he was looking into the bedroom through the mirror and saw a woman standing in Victorian clothes with her hair up. The man quickly looked away from the mirror and into the bedroom, but saw no one. Then he looked back to the mirror, and the woman was there. When he looked into the room again and back to the mirror another time, she was gone. The man woke his wife and went downstairs to tell the owner. Spooky. I yeah. love that stuff. Very yeah. spooky. Yes. All right. I think I have, I do have one more. In September of 2000, a woman was staying in the Machino room located above the garage in the inn's carriage house. She could not sleep that night and stayed up late reading. At about 2 a.m., she turned out the lights and lay down. Before she closed her eyes, she noticed a mist of fog near the skylight of the room. Trying to fall asleep and rationalize the mist, she closed her eyes. Then Then she recounted this the next morning. She said she felt and heard someone pull back the covers and sit down behind her and to her left. She was rationalizing it as dreaming in her head, but opened her eyes and looked back to see a woman sitting on her bed dressed in a nope. Victorian dress with her hair up. Nope, nope, uh, nope, 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 nope. <laughs> <laughs> The woman was looking at her and she jumped up and screamed, help. <laughs> the woman vanished. The frightened woman turned on all the lights and the TV mm-hmm. in the room and sat awake yep. until the sun came up. Something that actually happened to me it, just about three years ago, um, but not at that hotel, at the one I covered before. And yeah, all the lights, the TV, I don't know. I almost slept with the door open. Oh my God. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> After uh, one of the first incidents, instances the staff did try to contact the ghost with a Ouija board they found that she was a woman that had passed in the house in her 70s but they were never able to find her name Hmm. so if anybody wants to go spend the night in the Rosen room it's about a hundred dollars and I'll go half seas all right she when did she die in the 1870s Mm -mm. she was in her 70s when she passed in her 70s I'm so sorry okay all right so okay, that is I will the go Walnut Street with someone 
totally. I, I'm, I feel just fine um, because Dina is my protector who sleeps through. I sleep uh, through it. You have to wake me up and let me know what's happening. She yeah. sleeps through it. Tornadoes, ghosts, it doesn't matter. Yeah. I will sleep yeah. through it. Hmm. Yes, that's well, true. Well, apparently that's what happened to me at Carnal Hall two weeks ago when I was there. You know, I was hoping that, not hoping, but I was thinking that maybe something might happen because of the story that I did on Carnal Hall and yeah. Arkansas and and nothing happened. But I was busy. And, uh, you know, if you have the TV on and you're not receptive to those kinds of true activities, it's not going to happen. So next time I will be quieter. <laughs> yeah. And come Maybe. in with the Ouija board in your scrying mirror and all your <laughs> and, yeah. and take up take my runes and my crystals and all that. Yeah. 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 Oh. yeah. Well, that was those were great. That, yeah, that's another yeah. one to add to our summer tour of scary, of spooky, you scary know, places. I don't remember. I, I don't remember what street it was on, but there was a huge house near Delaware Street. Like, do you remember the old Blockbuster on uh, Glenstone? And then there was um, all those. Um, houses older houses you know beautiful homes some of them different levels of um you know socioeconomics i guess um but anyway on one of those streets um i went walking one time stayed at friends and went walking one time and this huge house it had to have been a i mean i don't believe that it was a house it, it was so big it was brick is this like dawn or dina ringing any kind of bells no. with you and it was no. it was abandoned um but it was you know brick with i don't know anyway i've not ever been able to find it since so i'm guessing they must have torn it down or ah. i'm on the wrong street that's very possible too but and, anyway, the, and this is in springfield, springfield right in springfield, yeah, in springfield. Yeah. Mm -hmm. i would love to know the history behind that so if anybody out there knows the um, building that i'm talking about please let me know because i've I've never known what it was called. I never, you know, I don't know. It, it was just beautiful. Anyway, mm -hmm. so great job tonight. Everything was spot on. The hooch was good. The stories were great. What else uh, do we need to say here? Oh, hold on. I have lost my, uh, my oh, do you guys have anything mind? else you want to add? You say you have lost like your mind. My hooch, my hooch is very uh -huh. good. My hooch, hooch is yeah. gone. My oh. hooch was gone before I started my story. Yeah. yeah. Right. I had well, a rough have... day. Oh, Deirdre, are you ready? Um, no, I was just going to say that um, I had to keep muting because um, my little Zeus dog was, I don't know, there was talking out on the road and it's his road. And how dare they? stand in the middle of the road and talk to each other so i apologize yeah i know Elvis gets heard really mad sam gets What's really it? mad when the neighbors are in their driveway <laughs> their driveway not my driveway their driveway well that's really kind of upsets him. weirdo Those dogs. oh our little All furry right, well, pets um if, if any anybody has anything else to say we're good I'm good. I think we're all good. Yeah, all we're right. good. Well, hey, thank you guys so much for joining us. Don't forget to give us all those stars and um, suggestions on stories we'd love to hear. And 
you know, comments on the stories that we've done is awesome. So now it's time to say goodbyes, or we could just say until we meet again. But Aww. goodbye. Bye, Bye. everybody. See you All later. Right. Thanks. Thanks again. And remember, if you liked it, tell all your friends. And if you didn't, keep your big mouth shut. shut.